Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. To the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. Go ahead and open there. We are starting a new series today, and it's a series that I am very excited about. Uh, As I was on retreat this this year, I was able to spend a a week away about about a month ago now, but it hit me. This one thing really hit me right between the eyes. And so I wanted us to begin to look at it. And that that thought that hit me was that if we are disciples of Jesus, which is what we claim to be or are called to be, we here at Cross Community Church, we say our motto is that we are disciples of Jesus who are busy making more disciples of Jesus. And so if we are disciples of Jesus, that means that we, you and I, are students of Jesus. He is our teacher. Now, I know that there are some people in the world who just think Jesus was only a good teacher. And so in some ways, we've kind of pushed back and and we know that Jesus is more than just a good teacher. But nonetheless, he is our teacher. I know he's my savior. I acknowledge him as Lord. I worship him alone. And I hope that you do too. But sometimes, sometimes, worship can be a way to avoid becoming a student of Jesus' teachings. We are disciples, and that means we must learn what Jesus actually taught and seek to embody those teachings in our daily lives. So for the next seven weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into the teachings of our teacher, Jesus Christ. Are you ready? If you are, then I invite you, if you are able, let us stand in honor and reverence of the gospel, the good news according to Matthew, beginning at verse, uh, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Hear the gospel. Seeing the crowds, he, that's Jesus, went up the mountain And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be 
to God. I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not before, but uh, when we lived in Ireland, occasionally folks would come over. We didn't own a car in Ireland, but when people would come to visit, we would rent a car and we would drive them around to see all the beautiful sights of Ireland. And um, one of the things about Ireland is that, it, you know, it's, uh, they drive on what we would say is the wrong side of the road. They drive on the opposite side of the road. And not only that, but they also sit on the opposite side of the car for driving. So you're on the, the, the other side, you're on the right side of the car, and you're on the left side of the road, and, and this is how you drive around in Ireland. And if you've ever had that experience, you realize that this is a very disorienting experience. There's something about being on the other side of the car and being on the other side of the road that, that causes you to kind of drift over. I, I remember the first time I ever drove on the other side of the road in, in the, at that time it was Scotland. And I found myself just staying too far over. In fact, one time I was passing a bicyclist who was on the side of the road. And as I went by, I must have scared them to death because he slapped the side of the car as I drove by way too close because I was just disoriented. I, I, I've been driving for years, decades even, but it just seemed like being on the other side of the car, on the other side of the road, was disoriented. And just when you think you've got it, you have to go through a roundabout, and instead of going this way, you go around this way. And when you make that turn, finally, you have to think, oh, I've got to stay on this side, because you naturally have that instinct to want to go back to the the normal side of the road for you, until I was able to to think about the center line. And once I thought about the center line and thought about how on the other side of the road, on the other side of the car, the center line was about right there outside the car. And when I began to line myself up on the center line, just on the outside of the other side of the car, from then on, I never had a problem. It became more like second nature. For many of us, this is how Jesus' teachings actually feel. They can be disoriented. It feels like he's just turning everything upside down. Everything is backwards. The opposite is now true. And it, it is disorienting. It's, it's uncomfortable. And this may be the reason why we choose to worship instead of learn from and learn about the teachings. It's easier to just say the right things to Jesus or about Jesus instead of actually learning to live in his teachings. So let's jump into Jesus's greatest teaching, what today we call the Sermon on the Mount. I know we call it a sermon or that's what it's titled. But the Bible actually says he taught them. I mean, look at verse 2. What does it say there? Then he, well, in many of your translations, it will say, then he began to speak and taught them. I, I read to you out of the English Standard Version because it's closer to the original language, where in verse 2, it actually says, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Now, when this phrase, and he opened his mouth, in ancient times, in the language there, it signifies something very specific. When this phrase, 
he opened his mouth or she opened his mouth was used, it signified that the person opening their mouth was really opening their heart and soul in what they were about to say. Today, we might use the language, we might say, oh, they bared their soul to me for the ancients is, and they opened their mouth. They opened all of who they are. The core of their teaching came forward. I think about it uh, in this in this way. When I lived in Los Angeles, I had the opportunity once we were given tickets to go see the great Aretha Franklin sing at the Gibson Amphitheater. And I remember when it was her time, she came out and she stood at the mic and she opened her mouth and the music came forth. The voice came out. I mean, there's a reason why they call it soul music. I mean, she just sung and filled that room with presence and, and, and just the beauty of the way that she sings. In this way, Jesus is opening his mouth. He goes up on the mountain and he sits down and he opens his mouth to reveal his soul, the core of his belief. And then the scripture tells us he taught them. Now, the word teaching, it means he gave them a teaching. The word teaching in Hebrew is the word Torah. I know we translate that sometimes as law, but the true meaning of the word Torah is teaching. So Jesus is sitting and giving them a new teaching, a Torah, a new covenant on the mountain, kind of like Moses in Deuteronomy 28. We'll get to more of that later. But what does he say in his Torah? What does Jesus say in his teaching? When he opens his mouth and bears his soul, what does he say? Now, before we hear that, I want you to ask a couple of questions. And we need to look in our Bibles and look in our scriptures. First, who is the audience for Jesus? Who is the audience? You can write that in the comments section if you want, if you're looking at it. Who is the audience? It says right there at the beginning, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. So his disciples were there. We, we see that his disciples came to him. So they were there. Now, at this point in Matthew, there are only four disciples. We have to wait till chapter 10 to get all 12. There's only four, but there are the crowds. Now, who were these crowds? Who were in these crowds? This is important. So flip back one, a couple of verses and, and get there to Chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. I want you to, I want to read this to you. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. So there were Syrians. And they brought him all the sick. Those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So let's, let's look at this, this crowd, this motley crew, as, as we, as so to speak. The crowds were made up of the diseased. The crowds were made up of those in severe pain, 
The crowds were made up of the demon-possessed. The the crowds were made up of people with seizures. The crowds were made up of the paralyzed. The crowds were made up of insiders, those from Jerusalem, Judea, and Galilee. But they were also filled with outsiders, Syrians, the Decapolis, and beyond the Jordan. It was quite a crowd. In other words, it it was not the influencers that were following Jesus. It was not the change agents that were following Jesus. It was not the best and brightest that were following Jesus. I mean, his disciples were just fishermen. It wasn't the, the ones that most of us would want following, and it's not a crowd that you or I would want to be in. And not just because we're in a pandemic and there were diseased people. I mean... If you heard about this crowd, my hunches, you would avoid that crowd. So why is this important? Why do we have to know this before we jump into Jesus' teaching? Because knowing who Jesus was teaching brings greater context to what Jesus is teaching. Let me say that for you again. You may want to write that down. Because knowing who Jesus is teaching brings greater context to what Jesus is teaching. In other words, context gives greater clarity. So he begins his sermon with these nine blessings that you have read, that I've read to you. So we probably ought to know what blessed means. Well, blessed comes from the Greek word makarioi. That's something you probably want to say with me. Ready on the count of three? It's makarioi. Ready? One, two, three. Makarioi. Literally, what makarioi means, what blessed means, is the ones who are becoming large. I know for all of you who are on a diet, you didn't want to hear that it was a blessing to become large. But that's what blessing literally means. It means to become large. They are expanding because God is giving them what they need. Now, Jesus wasn't the first one and wasn't the only one who used this method of teaching by starting about talking who is blessed or what blessing is like. If you go to Psalm chapter 1, you'll hear a very familiar passage. In fact, let me read that to you. Let's just go there right now, shall we? Psalm chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Does this sound familiar? Blessed is the one. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. If you go through the Psalms and a a lot of the Proverbs, you will find this blessed is, and there will be something that they do. That blessed is, and something that they do. Blessed is, and someone something that they do or don't participate in. So the Psalms are a good place where Jesus is piggybacking on this idea of talking about blessing, what it is. The Dead Sea Scroll community. I know it blesses your heart that I studied the Dead Sea Scroll community. They were an interesting bunch who decided that the world was going to hell in a handbasket. And so they decided to just move away. They were too important. They were too special. They had the true understanding. They did the things right. And they moved out. And they actually prayed for the rest of the world to go to hell in a handbasket. 
unfortunately there are some Christians who are still doing this, but they, they began to write their own things and they used this idea of blessing and they would say, blessed are the ones who, who do the right thing, who is pious before God. Blessed is the one who, uh, is better. And of course they thought they were the only ones who were blessed, who were doing this. About 150 years before Jesus, there was another man named Jesus, Jesus ben Sirah. He was a rabbi, a teacher. And some of his writings talk about in this idea of blessing, begin with blessing. And some of them sound very religious, like right out of Scripture. Blessed is the one who seeks after wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds God in the wisdom. But then he would kind of blend it with a little bit of Greek and Roman culture. So blessed is the one who doesn't have to serve someone in a class lower than them. Blessed is the one whose enemies are all defeated and he has victory all the time. So this idea of blessing had been around and was woven into the community. But ultimately, Moses does this teaching in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, Matthew's gospel is really trying to show Jesus as a new and greater Moses. So Moses went up on a mountain and pronounced blessing or what blessing from God looks like. And now so does Jesus. I'm not going to take the time to read that. You can flip back there to Exodus chapter 28 if you want. But you'll notice something about what Moses says as he's describing blessing. Blessing sounds like expanding, growing larger. He says, if you will obey the Torah, if you will obey Yahweh, your families will get bigger, your territory will get bigger, your crops will get bigger, your herds will get bigger. It's this idea of blessing. And now Jesus goes up on the mountain like Moses, sits down, And opens his mouth ready to bear his soul. This is so important. And what does he say from the core of who he is? He says, blessed are... Wait, wait. Okay, stop right there for a second. Because those who were listening would have heard those first two words, blessed are. And they would have been saying, oh, okay. So now he's going to tell us how to obey so that we can get this blessing, whatever it is that he's going to describe. We're ready, Jesus. Lay it on us. Give it to us. What does he say? Blessed are who? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Think about this now. Don't don't jump out of the context again. Who was he looking at eyeball to eyeball as he was saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. You're right. He was looking right at those who were right then at that moment experiencing what it means to be poor in spirit. And what did he say they have to do to be blessed? Nothing. He doesn't say they will be blessed. He says they are blessed. Right where they are. Just as they are. They don't have to do anything to get God to come to them. God has come to them in Jesus This is powerful. I I love what Stanley Hauerwas says in his commentary on Matthew. He says, too often these characteristics, the Beatitudes, 
have in Christian history been turned into ideals or virtues that we must strive to attain? That poor in spirit, meek, mourning, etc. The ones we're going to go through. I mean, how many of you have ever heard a sermon about the Beatitudes that called them the B-attitudes? In other words, these are the attitudes that should be in your life. He says that's, unfortunately, we have done that time and time again through Christian history. And he goes on and he says, when we do that, we turn them into formulas that help us gain status and favor with God, which is exactly the opposite of what Jesus is trying to say. Rather, the Beatitudes are descriptions of the people that Jesus first brought the kingdom of God to. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus tell us that we should try to be poor in spirit or mourn all of the time. He simply announces the great surprise that these people who are not significant or honored in their society are precisely the ones who have received the honor of being first among those called into God's kingdom. Wow. No wonder We call it good news. How can this not be good news for you? Well, let's look at that first one. It's the only one we'll look at today. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember, he's looking right into the eye of those who are poor in spirit. But we need to understand what that means. The Greek words that that make up that phrase, poor in spirit, are patoksoi tonumatai. Let's try that together. We'll break it down. Patoksoi. Say patoksoi. Toe, like your big toe. Toe. Pneumatai. Pneumatai. Let's put it all together. One, two, three. Patoksoi, toy, toe, pneumatai. Sorry, we'll try it one more time because I messed it up. Patoksoi, toe, pneumatai. Let's break that, that down word by word. Patoksoi. What does that mean? Well, there are, there are two Greek words. For that, that mean poor. The first word is not the word that was used here. And that is the word painace. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Painace. And what painace means is the working poor. It means that they don't have any of the fancy items. They don't have any of those things. But they can earn something. We might call it they can scratch out a living for themselves. But that's not the word that was used here. Intentionally, Jesus doesn't say, those who can scratch out a living for themselves are the ones who are blessed. Those who have just enough are blessed. No, what he says is patoksoi. And patoksoi means absolute and abject poverty. It comes from from the the, the verb patosane, which means to crouch. Or to cower. It describes someone who has been absolutely crushed into a crouching position by economic poverty. Have you ever seen someone in that position? I know for me, as I was under, beginning to understand the heart of what patoksoi really means, I was taken back to a time when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And we lived in, in South Texas on the Mexican border. 
And we would sometimes go over into Nuevo Progreso. It was a small town. We lived closer to Matamoros. But uh, Nuevo Progreso uh, was, was a smaller town where you could get in and you could see the sites, get what you needed to, to do done there or have food there and come back across into the States. And there was a bridge that you would you could drive across, but most of the time we parked on the on the state side and we would walk across the bridge and walk back. And I remember the first time we did this as I'm walking back, you you pay your little peso uh, to to walk back across the bridge into the states. I mean, a peso is like I think at the time it was like seventeen hundred ninety five pesos for one dollar. Uh, so it's it's not even worth a penny, half a penny. You would pay that and you would go walking back across. And I remember I was walking and I was looking at the bridge and all of a sudden these little tiny hands would come up on the side of the bridge and you would just hear the little kids starting to say, peso, peso, please, peso, Americano, peso. And then I began to look and see that there were kids lined up, had climbed up the bridge. And there were some teenagers who were no longer small enough to climb up the bridge. And so they they would had erected on a pole something that they had taped a little cup at the end of so they could hold it up and try to receive. And you began to look down and you began to see they didn't have much. I remember as a 12 or 13 year old little boy wondering, why? Why is this the case for these beautiful children and teenagers who are there? When you begin to see if you've seen that, if you've been in crowds of people like that, you're getting closer to understanding what it means to be Patoksoi. The second part of that is, is To Numatai. That means the Spirit. So it's uh, it's technically pour the spirit, pour in the spirit, not just pour in your spirit or in the breath. You're pour in the spirit. That is a religious, religiously poor. You have no religious status. And people who are Patoksoi, the Patoksoi couldn't always get to synagogue or to the temple. And a lot of times you were Patoksoi because you had some kind of disease or you had some kind of ailment. And so you weren't able to physically go into the synagogue or the temple. That's different from our day and age where people just choose not to go to church just for whatever reason. And the truth is, those Patoksoi were probably not missed by the religious people who went into the synagogue and into the temple. The Patoksoi were those who were crushed under the weight of their spiritual poverty. I mean, think about this. To be a good Jew, you were expected to come to synagogue and to temple. But those crushed by poverty and disease either could not come or were not welcomed. Psychology would call that a double bind. We expect you, if you want to be a a good contributing Jew, if you want to be a good contributing member of society, then we expect you to show up at synagogue and show up at temple. But if you actually manage to come in, we're not really going to make you welcome and we're really okay if you're gone. But we'll still react to you not as a good Jew because you didn't come to synagogue. Do you see how this can become crushing? To the soul and to the spirit. Patoksoi to pneumatai. So it's an, is it an economic term or a religious term? It's both. 
We have to see the connection of these people who are crushed under the weight of poverty were and are usually people with diseases who could not work and survived only by begging. They were also religiously poor because they were forgotten or intentionally excluded because of their diseases. In fact, religious people, you'll find that in Scripture later on, religious people developed whole theologies that said these were being, these people were being punished with their disease because they had done something wrong or their parents had done something wrong. But now, Jesus calls them blessed. They're expanding because of God's blessing? Huh? It doesn't make sense. Now it's important to know Jesus does not say that they are blessed because they are patoksoi to pneumatai. They are not blessed because they are crushed by economic or religious poverty. Why are they blessed then? Because God has chosen to give them the kingdom through Jesus. The Jesus who is standing and teaching, I guess technically he was sitting, And teaching, bearing his soul to them right where they are. The Jesus who came right where they are. The Jesus who sees their brokenness and poverty and has compassion upon them. The Jesus who doesn't look away or ignore them or create theologies to explain why they're being crushed. The Jesus who sees them, looks eyeball to eyeball at them and says, I know your situation. I know how you've been crushed. I know how you've been beaten down by life. I know your pain. I know your suffering. I know your longing. And I am here for you. And because I am here, the kingdom of heaven has come to you first. Not the rich and powerful. Not the religiously connected. Not the ones who have it all figured out. To you, the kingdom has come. And you are blessed because of it. You see, the kingdom of heaven starts with those who most need God, not with those who think they have God all figured out. You ought to write that down. The kingdom of heaven starts with those who most need God, not with those who think they have God all figured out. So where do you find yourself in this teaching? Maybe right now you've gotten in touch and are experiencing what Patoksoi To Numatai is all about. Do you feel crushed by the weight of other people's expectations? Do you feel far from God or that you couldn't get Him To come to you even if you knew the direction. You couldn't make it to Him. Do you feel like God could not love or care about you because of something you've done or something you see yourself to be? May I have the blessing and privilege of opening my mouth and speaking from my soul, the heart and soul of Jesus teaching for you? Blessed are you. Yes, you. Just you, even you, no matter what you think about you, blessed are you in your spiritual poverty because the kingdom of heaven has come near to you and starts with those 
who most are in need of God. Have you sensed that need for God in your life today? The good news is that Jesus is here. Right here. Right where you are. Right in your room. Wherever you are watching. Jesus is there. And He is looking at you. Eyeball to eyeball. He has opened His mouth. He is speaking from the core of His very being. And He says, I see your suffering. I see that you feel you're far from God. It is not true. I am here. And the kingdom comes to you because you need the kingdom. You need Me. And I am here to heal and forgive. And blessed are you right where you are. You don't have to have God figured out. God knows you. And He's inviting you right into His kingdom. That's our teacher. And that's just the beginning of His teaching. Back at the very beginning, I talked about finding that center line when I was driving in Ireland and needing that center line in order to gauge how I was on the road. Folks, today, whether you consider yourself patoxoi tone pneumatai, spiritually impoverished, spiritually poor, crushed under the weight, or whether you are realizing that maybe you have puffed yourself up a little bit, I want you to know that the line that centers everything, that keeps us on the road of these new teachings, is the love of Jesus Christ, is the person of Jesus Christ, who looks at you right where you are in the midst of your struggle, crushing weight and says blessed are you because I am here and my kingdom is yours the one who says the kingdom of God is for those who most need it not for those who figured it out so today have you heard the call of our teacher If you are one who is being crushed right now, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Because Jesus is here. Jesus is there. And he is longing for you to hear the good news of his teaching. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus, thank you for your teaching. I pray for my brothers and sisters around the world that if they right now are honest, they would say to themselves, I am being crushed under the weight. Some of them it is economic poverty. Some of them it is that spiritual poverty. I don't understand God. Or there's expectations I feel like I can't meet. May they... In whatever category they find themselves, may they hear your voice in my voice today. As I repeat your teaching, blessed are you, the poor in spirit. The kingdom has come to you. 
right in your need, right where you need it, because you are here with us. So, Lord Jesus, we turn to you and we say thank you. If you are right now feeling crushed under the weight, I invite you to just speak these words. Come, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Show me the blessing of your presence, of your kingdom. Meet my need. Help me, Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, I pray that you would put that in the comment section, that you would reach out to me with a private message uh, so that I could pray with you and pray for you. Because the good news is the kingdom has come to you. And blessed are you because of Jesus, our Savior and Teacher, our Lord and Friend. Would you stand and receive the blessing today? And now, may you, yes you, even you, no matter what you think about you, may you know the truth of the heart and soul of Jesus' teaching. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. For the kingdom has come to those who need it most. And I pray that you will experience the joy of blessing. I pray that God will expand you in blessing that you might see His kingdom moving in our world. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Be safe. Wash your hands. Thank you for joining us this week. I pray you have a great week and we'll come back again and view with us next week. God bless you as you go. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.